Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. All right, this is your day. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. You are with me today, and we're going to buckle up and ride through the Bible and find some answers for your life. It's real easy to accept where you are. It takes courage to change your life direction. Let me show you some simple principles that can help you change and engage your life. Now, life gets better if you try. Now, if you sit there and accept it, it won't. But if you want to be different, if you want to see your life lifted to another place, today is the day. So enjoy. Let's go right into the service and enjoy today's message. Today, we talk about godly parents and how they raise ungodly children. This is a a fascinating study that I I find incredibly helpful. One of the things that I think people ignore is the obvious. Uh, And there are obvious reasons if you look at a family's history as to why they end up having gaps. How could a person end up in a certain place? How, how did a whole generation get lost? How did a family get to be so fragmented where there was no help? You take out a father. You take out a great-great-grandfather. You pass down anger. You pass down frustration. I think it's amazing when I said every family knows who it is. They know him. They've seen him look at girls before in the family. And it's the tradition that abuse starts at certain ages. And it becomes generational. How does that happen? Because we ignore the obvious. And that's how I believe godly parents raise ungodly children. Repeat it with me, please. That they ignore ignore. the the obvious. Now, I want to preface this sermon with this statement. This sermon can potentially bother you. So let's be clear. This is not fun. Some of it is not fun. But it can explain some family tragedies and give you a pathway to creating a better family future. The key is that your family must be willing to get on another road. And you'll understand more what I mean by that in a minute. Your family is just on the wrong road. It's just not going to get you where you're trying to go. You're not going to Florida, going north on I-95. You just don't get there. And some things you're doing in your family just will not get you to the place you want to be. Some ways of thought, some ways of behaving. So I want to give you five personal observations about children that I've, I've kind of gathered. And these are just my personal observations. And, and some of it's drawn from last week's sermon. But let me give you the first one. First of all. Children sometimes become ungodly, not because of the parents, but sometimes because, like Adam and Eve, they chose to rebel. Just like, just like Adam and Eve. It, it wasn't anything that was done to them. They, they made a choice. God didn't do anything to Adam and Eve. They made a decision, and your kids can choose. Come on, say, my kids, my kids can, choose can choose the wrong path. The wrong path. Secondly, sometimes the parents, though, ignore the obvious. I mean, look at it. Look, look at him. Look at her. Look at what they're doing. They're going to school, coming home with no homework every day. You think they're learning? They're going to college, but you haven't seen grades. You're scared to ask. 
for grades, you're paying for the education, right? But you won't ask. It's not obvious to you that she likes this and he likes that? It's not an obvious thing to you? Thirdly, sometimes the, they're afraid to confront the obvious because there's a consequence. Sometimes they have what I call old soul children. Say that with me, please. Come on. Old soul children who impress them. A child that's just smart. They're just advanced. They can talk. They can communicate. They're just good at it. And they can talk you out of anything or into anything. And you're impressed with that ability. So you let them lead the house. They're now parenting and you're just kind of riding along. And it's just cute to you that they, they're so smart. They're just smart. They're just smart. Also, children, and you're looking at one. I, I am... I am, without a question, a classic old soul child. I was way older than my children. I mean, in terms of how I thought and processed. I mean, I was, at 15, I was able to live by myself. At 15, I was able to pay my lights, phone, and gas with nothing being cut off. At 15, my mother paid the rent. I paid everything else. 15. Oh, I was old soul. My mother said, oh, Rick, please. That was her, that was her statement. Take care of himself, wash his clothes, clean. Ricky, Ricky Temple is not an average 15-year-old guy. I was pastoring the church, this church in my early 20s, 23, thereabout. And when I came in, I came in with an agenda and a plan and a strategy and a series. Taught you through the Bible, starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation. The brother was, had finished college, was ready to rock and roll, taking Greek on the side. I was serious. I was, I was old as you get at 23 years old. I was old at, she said, 16. I was pretty old. <laughs> so I understand the good and the bad. And I want to write a book about it. As a matter of fact, I decided to do a series on it. And it's targeting single parents. It's the first time I've ever done one. I wanted to write the book, but I think I'm just going to preach it first, get it out of my soul first. And uh, it's called The Journey. And it's called Lessons, um, Lessons about Single Parents from the Single Son, from the Son of a Single Parent. And I want to share what I thought was good and what I thought was bad. I want to share the lessons I've learned. And one of the things I think that can be bad is you're so impressed with me that you forget I'm 13. And you allow, you allow yourself to switch roles and become this um, friend. Not that you need to become this mean person, but you really poison the person for the future because they don't have the ability. They think they have abilities they don't have yet developed. They think they do. But here's how you, you even just take care of yourself. Now, with me, catch this, I could, I could do that. See, that's even worse. I'm, I'm worse. I'm a, probably a terrible example because I just get another job, work two jobs, make it happen at 16. I mean, I was just like that. And I think there are things that parents in particular don't always do because they have these old soul children. So I, I belabor that enough. All right, number, number, um, number five. Sometimes they fear, let me say them again, sometimes... Um, no, number five. Sometimes they fear the consequences of confronting them. So th sometimes the reason that they end up with an ungodly child is because they're so afraid of the consequences of confronting them. They fear that if I confront you, then maybe you'll leave or maybe you'll get hurt. So if I, I, I just don't want to confront you. So if you're going to leave, you might leave the house, you might run away. Or, you know, or you might, uh, and kids use that against you sometimes, you know, or they might, what if they go out there and get hurt? I'll, I'll never forgive myself. So 
for that reason, you just don't confront them. And you train people to not be confronted. It's one of the greatest challenges in a church, managing churches, helping church people understand you can be confronted and it doesn't mean I don't love you. If, if you're not doing a good job in an area that we put you, we can say that's not a good job. Or you want to you do something, we say, no, you can't do that. You know, but people, especially sometimes when they come to religious environments, they get really arrogant on their job, they get it. But here they just get really spiritual. God told me that I should whatever. And so they feel that if you say no, you, you've wronged them. And so sometimes you raise children with that same mindset. They, they think you, you've wronged them because you, you say something. So that to me is was tragic. And if you look at that, those, those five things, some of that's obvious to you. So the big question again is what is obvious? Say it again, come on. What is obvious about your children? What's obvious? When you just for my, look at that. Now, Eli is a godly guy. He has ungodly children, and I thought he'd be a great example to look at. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 22, because in this story, you're going to see this guy who is um, who's incredible. He's, um, he, he's incredibly aware of what his kids are doing. It's obvious to him, but he's ignoring it. So look at First Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Eli was very old. He was not a young man. Please understand that. He's old. He's experienced. Eli was very old, and he heard, read this with me, please, in bold prints. Remember, the bold print is the big points I'm making, okay? He did what? Heard what? Everything his sons did to, to all Israel. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of, of meeting. He heard all of this. He, it was not a surprise to Eli. He, he, now, he is the head preacher guy. He is the priest. He's in charge. And he hears all this bad stuff, and he doesn't do anything. Here's what he does. Watch number two. He verbally rebukes them, but does not take any action. Verse 23. So he said to them, this is in 1 Samuel 2, verse 23, why do you do such things? For I hear, I hear of your evil dealings with, from all the people. Those are strong words from my dad. Evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not good, it's not a good report that I hear. You make, you make, listen to this, you make the Lord's people sin. They were making people not want to go to church. You know, they had this horrible habit of taking people's offerings. People would bring a sacrifice. Uh, they used to bring the fat of the lamb to offer as a sacrifice, and they took it from people physically, snatched it. So people hated going to church. They hated being around. It was, it was horrible. Verse, verse, um, verse 24, No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Verse 25, For if one man sin against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because oh, the Lord decided to kill them. That's another story. We'll come to that in a minute. But notice, this is, this is a horrible example of a guy in leadership, a parent who will not do anything. He's just going along. And so what happens is God speaks to him. Seven things God said to Eli. Now look at these. These are important. Uh, chapter 2, verse 22 uh, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 27. It said, the man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? So a prophet comes to him and says, I want you to know that I called you, God called you. Called you when you were in your father's house. 
Then secondly, he said, I promoted you. Not only did I call you, but I promoted you. He said these words, did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod, ephod which is a, a holy garb, before me? So I said with him, he said, I called you, and I promoted you. Now watch this now. Then he says, number three, I paid you. I didn't ask you to work for free. I took care of your whole family. Verse, verse 28. Did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? I, I, I paid you well. You guys didn't have to take anything from anybody because I gave you enough. I, and I think that's noble. I think that's a great thing. God, God put a system in place. It wasn't, I don't want you to be begging people. Okay? I want to just give you a good salary, take good care of you, and, and, and I'm going to pay you. So I called you, promoted you, paid you, but here's number four, you abandoned me though. You cheated on the deal. Verse 29, and he says it this way, why did you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I commanded in my dwelling place? And why did you honor your sons? This is important, bold print. Why did you honor your sons more than me? You put your children in front of me. Your parents, you're a parent who put your kids in front of me. Wow. To make yourselves fat with the best of the offerings. You took the best of the offerings. You didn't have to do that, but you did it. So here's, what, here's the deal. I'm firing you. But I'm not just firing you. I'm firing your entire family for generations. Now, this is important because I want you to think for a second as you read through this. This is the part of the sermon that's troubling. Because here's the question I want you to think about. Has my family been fired? Is that a possibility? Is it possible that my family has made the same kind of decisions that this family has made and we put ourselves in a place where God has said what he's about to say to this guy? You're trying to figure out all this stuff about, you know, people having difficult times. Could it be tied to something spiritual? Just think about it for a second. This is the part that troubled me. Here's what he said, verse 30. Therefore, the Lord God, Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. That was the original plan. You guys are going to have permanent employment, permanent pay, great job, great benefits, great life. But now, the choice you've made has changed the game. See, that can happen. People can change the game by choices they make. God's ability to identify your choice, my choice, is very important. You can cry, you can blame God for stuff, but he says, no, no, but you made those choices. But now, but now the Lord says, far be it far from me, far be it from me, for those, read this with me, please, this is important. For those who what? Honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be what? Lightly esteemed. Behold, verse 31, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. You're going to see an enemy in my dwelling place. Enemies are going to come in my land. And he said these words, despite all the good that I'm going to do for Israel, for the rest of the church, for the rest of the community, 
There shall not be an old man in your house for forever. That's a firing. I read that. I backed up and I said, is that my family? God. Okay, so you want to blame somebody else. You want to make it somebody else's issue. You want to make it somebody else's fault. I'm not, I tell you, it's a bothersome sermon. Hang with me for a minute. It, it, may, it raises a question. When I had these guys line up up here and I, I said generational dynamics. Okay, so, okay, so you were a womanizer, right? Okay, so your son's a womanizer, right? Okay, and he's not faithful to his wife. You're not faithful to yours. And so the grandchildren are not going to be faithful to theirs. And so the women are going to get angry because they're going to feel abused. And so they're going to become sexually addicted because all of them are on the Internet with you, looking over your shoulder, watching little dirty books. And so they're, not going, to, they're going to view women as objects. And then you're going to want to shoot somebody, somebody raping your daughter, right? But you got the same seed blowing in your family, okay? So I'm just trying to say you don't see any connection to your choices and those behind you. There's no linkage. It's all just you. No, it's not just you. No. No, it's not just you. No, it's not just you. So he said this, I'm announcing judgment on your, we forgot the word sons. That's okay, you can write it in, right? Sons. Verse 33, 1 Samuel 2, 33. But if any if you any of your men whom I did not do not cut off from my altar, if I don't now the ones that don't kill, the ones that don't die, they shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. When you look at them, you'll you'll just be saddened. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now 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 they shall be a sign, this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they're both going to die. Well, Reverend, I'm going to tell you now, you know, I could have stayed home for this, man. I'm going to tell you. I come up in here, you don't got me sad. Now you got me scared. You make, me, you make it sound like you're saying my family's cursed or something. What you trying to say? Let's not get all hung up on that. We talk, you know, we, took, we have these talk-throughs where I talk through the sermon, you know, and the staff, some staff people say, well, you sound like you're saying they're cursed. I say, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. Let's change the word a little bit. Let's say certain things bring hardship. Here's the deal. I don't have to do anything to you. All I have to do is get you to eat sweets all the time. All I got to do is get you to not exercise, eat sweets. All I got to do is and look, diabetes is the rest. All I got to do is get you to ignore your blood sugar. All I got to do is get you. To, all I got to do is get you to ignore that stuff, right? All I got to do is get you to do that. I don't have to do anything to you. I don't have to do anything to you. I don't have to do anything to you. Here's what I can teach you. Clean your plate. Eat everything I put on there, even though you didn't put it on there. Everything I put on here, you eat everything on this plate. I'm sorry, hang with me. Love me, love me. You know, you know you're full, but you're going to eat it. But you get the point. There's something powerful that happens when you realize, okay, that's sincere. I understand, you know, we want poor people that don't have food to eat. But you're overdoing it. I'm sending you a replacement, he said. And I will not prosper your family. I'm sending your replacement. Here's what he said. Verse 35. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before me anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come 
and bow, and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please, please, please put me in one of the priestly positions. Please hire me back that I may eat a piece of bread. I want my old job back, but I won't hire you back. This is tough reading, but here's the question. Does this sound like your family? Do you, do your young men die young? Does your family live in a constant state of need? First Samuel chapter two, verse 36. Remember, please, please, please. Has your family done something I call cross the Eli line? A line of compromise. A decision that nine out of ten of your family members have decided we will not obey God. We will not. Boy, this is tough stuff. This can make you frustrated. But here's the question. Can this be turned around? Here's the answer. Everybody say yes. yes. See, I believe that everything I've said is what can happen to you. It does explain why some people have had these results. But it doesn't have to be the final chapter. This doesn't have to be the end of it. And I, and I gave you a sermon title I've changed around a little bit. And I want you to, to kind of scratch out and write in what I'm going to tell you. Next week, I'm going to talk about how godly families. I did say I'm going to talk about how godly families. Let me see how I worded it. I said how godly family turn around ungodly circumstances. But I've changed that. Here's what I'm going to call it next week. How godly families turn around a distracted generation. Say that with me, please. Come on. A distracted generation. Here's what I believe. Part of the reason why this happens is because parents become distracted. They forget their purpose and their assignment. It's when you lose sight of what's obvious and you get distracted, then you can't turn around. But if you can hear a verse I'm going to preach on next week. It's in, it's in the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Here's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, I don't know what anybody else is doing. I don't know what anybody else is doing. I don't know where anybody else is going. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my what? House. We're going to do what? Serve the Lord. There's that moment when you say to yourself, okay, listen, this is going to, this is going to happen to my cousin, my nephew, my friend. doesn't matter. But as for me and my house, the greatest decision Dad and I ever made was that as for us, as for our home, we can't control all of our family members, our extended families, but we can't control what happens in this house. And so as for me and my house, and that means that when we interact with you, you have to understand our standard and where we are. We're not being condemning. We're not, we're not cold-blooded or anything. We're just simply saying, as for me and my house. Ricky Temple decided that he doesn't want to be that kind of guy. I've decided I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want that in my life. I, I want to look at what's obvious, and I want to make sure that I focus on what's ne necessary. This generation is distracted. I heard a great line that was said one time to some students in school, and it was said to kids. It was really a simple statement, but it, it has stayed with me for, the, for years. They said, Kids get confused about why they're in school. This is not about me. I have a degree. This is for you. You need a job. I've got one. See, I'm working. I'm getting paid. You need a job. So cussing me out doesn't help you. You're using cuss words you can't even spell. I don't understand why. <laughs> why are you confused about what this means? I mean, this is a distracted generation that doesn't understand. And somebody has to pause and say, you know, this is, this is, this is it's obviously a problem. And then, you know, if I can close and, and say, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that all week. You know, okay, how distracted we get and how it, some things are just so obvious and we miss it. So, some things are so obvious and you're not paying attention. In your own soul, in your own life, in your own appetites. 
I can simply listen to what entertains you and learn a lot about you. The words in the songs, the movies you enjoy, the things that you tolerate, what you scroll around the internet and see. I'm, I'm just, what does it say? Are you across the Eli line? Are you in a place that God cannot prosper and cannot bless? Joshua said, as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is not about perfection. This is about honesty for a moment. I want to give you something to think about. I want you to go home and read First Judges chapter. I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 24. And I want you to just think about that for the week. I want you to read that chapter and come, come back next week. And I'm going to talk to you about a great lesson I learned in that chapter. And I want to show you how one guy made a decision that changed everything. And so can you. You can make this decision today that can change your future. And, and give you a new place to start. Joshua chapter 24, read it this week. Well, it's been a race for you. You have run hard this week, but at least I hope this message break helped you. Sometimes you need to just sit back, take your shoes off, calm down and rethink life. Don't get frustrated and let all the things around you get you rattled. Just stay focused. You know, I believe that you can make it. I believe that because you've made it so far. So stay focused. Trust God. See you next time. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.